Welcome to Evil Done Badly, the worst true crime podcast in history. Now, I've got my own true crime case to start off with this week, so that's a little bit of a treat. And uh, check this out. goes like this. Now, I ride a bike to work. I know how shocking that must be. Despite the raging popularity of this podcast, I still work a real job. Yes, I'm still just like all you peasants. I just happen to be a peasant who wastes a high percentage of my time posting garbage on the internet. Let's get back to the bike here. It's worth about five cents. It's rickety and it's falling apart. I tie it on when I go to work and when I come out, it's still there waiting for me. It's usually soaking wet when I'm done because it always rains around here, but that's another story. Anyway, I've been tying it on with a piece of yellow rope. Like, literally, tying it onto a fence. With a shitty knot that wouldn't stop a drunken billy goat from riding off with it. It's not the most secure security. And one day, I come out, and someone has absconded with the rope. Just the fucking rope. The stupid bike is still there. The cunt didn't have the decency to at least take my piece of shit bike too. I panicked a little bit, and I looked all over the ground to see if it had slipped off, but no. So, if anyone sees a yellow rope about two feet long in a pawn shop somewhere, let me know. I'd like it returned, and am not above resorting to physical violence to get it back. And, before you all rush to send me pieces of rope in the mail, in hopes that I'll hang myself with them, don't bother. I'm depressed and I run a crappy podcast, but I'm in no way suicidal. So, Marty, please don't get your hopes up. It's just that I've got sentimental ties to this rope, and not just any rope will do. But if you do see what you suspect to be my rope, please call your local Crime Stoppers or drop us an email. With that out of the way, let's get into today's episode. Grab a beverage, hold on to your arse, and let's talk about Richard Kuklinski, otherwise known as the Iceman. But first, theme song time. <laughs> This week's episode of Evil Done Badly is brought to you by Willie's Ouija Talking Board Company. It's great for summoning spirits and putting hexes on your enemies. And when you're done channeling demons, you can use it to teach your toddlers the alphabet and how to count to ten. And if your children want to communicate with their dead goldfish, Willie can make that happen too. Get yourself a Willie's Ouija and enjoy attracting the undead today. And when you're done welcoming angry ghosts into your house, join the Wide World of Paranormal Investigations group on Facebook and join the 11,000 others who've already signed up. They love Ouija boards and other silly things like that. Now back to the show. Richard Kuklinski 
was born on April 11, 1935 in New Jersey. His father was an alcoholic who would beat Richard, his brothers, and his wife. Um, that's Richard's dad's wife. Uh, that being Richard's mom. Not Richard's wife. Richard didn't have a wife yet because he was a child. Sorry, that's way more complicated than it needed to be. I'm a terrible communicator and totally unqualified to have a podcast. But you already knew that, didn't you? You're obviously fine with my incompetence, or else you wouldn't be here. Thank you for that. So Richard's mom was a devout Catholic, and she pounded the crap out of Richard as well. Now, Richard's dad was a real asshole and killed one of Richard's brothers and told his mom to call the hospital and blame it on a fall down the stairs. Soon after the dad ran away, he abandoned the family and Richard had to fend for himself. Which, as far as Richard was concerned, was probably a good thing that this asshole had, you know, taken off and fucked off somewhere else never to be heard from again. His brother Joseph. Now this is another good sign here. His brother Joseph duped a 12-year-old girl into following him to the roof of a nearby building by telling her that he found her missing dog. That's very nice of him. And he did find her dog. The problem was that he was the one who'd stolen it in the first place. And when he got her up there, he sexually assaulted and murdered her. He probably had his way with the dog, too. The cunt then threw her body and the dog from the rooftop. The dog survived, and the howling of the dog drew attention to the incident. Joseph was arrested in 1970 and had the living shit knocked out of him in prison. Yeah, I bet he looked great with burly inmates taking advantage of him regularly. He died squealing in prison in 2003. And now back to our regularly scheduled dick, or Richard. So Richard's home life was quite fucked up indeed. It's no surprise he grew up to be a real proper cunt. His early criminal history involves passing a bad check. But the charges were dropped after he pinky swore to pay back what he owed. He also made a living by pirating Disney movies and porno and selling drugs. As far as I know, he was never arrested for any of this. Maybe he paid off the authorities with VHS copies of X-rated Mickey Mouse movies, I don't know. I mean, he seems like a resourceful guy. He probably came up with some sort of a plan. But that's also not very violent. Now, the Iceman would be known more for his violent crime than his uh, pirated gay porn from the 70s. In 1980, George Malabad just wanted to buy some tapes of questionable content and quality from Kuklinski. He just wanted to buy $27,000 worth 
of questionable tapes from him. No big deal. But Kuklinski wanted the $27,000 and to keep all his videotapes of questionable content. That's if these tapes of questionable content existed in the first place. So George, naturally, didn't agree with this arrangement. And Kuklinski does the only reasonable thing. He shoots George five times, cuts his tendons, and squishes him into a barrel. He would later say that, quote, it was due to business, and that's his first murder. That's one murder for the books. Now moving on to murder number two. Same sort of deal. In 1982, Paul Hoffman was a pharmacist and wanted some stolen drugs to sell at his drugstore. He thought Kuklinski was just a resourceful bastard who could hook him up. So Hoffman arranges to buy $25,000 worth of Tagamet from him. From what I can tell, Tagamet is not exactly the most exciting drug in the world, but sick people will buy it anyways. And Kuklinski lures Mr. Hoffman to a rented garage and tries to shoot him, but his gun craps out on him. So he beats the ever-living snot out of him with a tire iron. And Paul would die. Paul would also get stuffed into a barrel. And this barrel would be abandoned outside a motel. Poor Paul was never found. And even Kuklinski has no idea where that ended up. So that's two murders. Now, Kuklinski is running some sort of gang of burgling nitwits and one of them gets arrested. There are warrants put out for two more of the members of this gang, and they hide out in a motel room. One of them, named Gary Smith, outwardly contemplates going straight. Well, you can see where this is going. And he leaves the room and leaves the motel to go visit his daughter. While he's gone, Kuklinski and the other members decided this dude was a liability and needed to be killed in order to shut him up. So they fed him a burger with cyanide in it, and when that didn't immediately knock him out, they strangled him with a lamp cord. They had planned on moving the body, but the girl member of the gang had run off with their car. So since there were no barrels around, they stuffed Gary's body in between the box spring and the mattress, and dee 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 they checked out of the motel, whistling on the way. Four days later, the complaints about the smell in the room finally warranted someone pulling apart the bed and taking a look. Gary had spent the last four days decomposing and stinking up the place. So that's murder number three. Now the other member of the gang, who was also wanted on a warrant, was named Daniel Deppner. That's a nice alliterative name there. It's pretty catchy. But, catchy or not, Kuklinski decided this guy was also a liability to have around and was having none of that. So, on May 14th, 1983, a bicyclist found Daniel's body being picked apart by giant birds in a wooded area in New Jersey. 
Kuklinski had wrapped Debner's body in green garbage bags, but these giant birds were undeterred. Like vultures, these birds are. Crazy. The medical examiner listed the death as undetermined, but there were signs of cyanide poisoning, strangulation, and giant bird nibbles. So, dead Daniel Deppner was murder number four by the Iceman. And why the fuck was Kuklinski called Iceman anyway? Well, this next victim has something to do with it. This next victim is named Louis Mazgay and was looking to buy some blank video cassettes of questionable quality from Kuklinski. Ninety-five fucking thousand dollars worth. Jesus. These blank tapes were like fucking gold back in 1983. These peddlers of illegal Betamax tapes, they're totally ballin', Jesus. Of course, Kuklinski had his own plan. So, rather than provide Lewis with the blank tapes he promised him, Kuklinski just shot him in the head, plopped him into a freezer for the next 15 months. And he didn't bother to thaw him before dumping the body. And he wrapped him up in garbage bags as well. So when Lewis was found, he was still kind of icy cold, which was in stark contrast to the warm September New York weather. Now, this leads investigators to surmise that this particular dead body had been stored for an extended period of time before being dumped. How this helped them solve the crime is completely over my head, because I'm not that smart. Or, uh, or am I willing to put in any more research on the subject? I'm incompetent and plan to stay that way. Either way, this is what led to Kuklinski being known as Iceman. So at this point, there's five murders and a bunch of shenanigans involving stolen stuff going on in New Jersey. Now, someone rats him out. Let's see, some of these people are liabilities. And as one of the guys involved in the Burgle gang, he becomes a person of interest. Now, they look into it, and strangely enough, it turns out that Kuklinski is the last known guy to have seen all five of these currently dead guys alive. So, that's fucking fishy. And the authorities start what they call Operation Iceman in order to track down and arrest Richard. So, one of the agents goes undercover, posing as a mafia guy to get close to Kuklinski for 18 months. Over this time, Kuklinski admits to storing a dead guy in a freezer, killing a guy with a cyanide-laced hamburger, and tells him of his plans to murder a couple of stoolies. In late 1986, he buys some cyanide from this undercover officer with intentions of murdering a fictional Jewish drug dealer with it and decides to try his new bag of cyanide out on a neighborhood dog. He laces a hamburger with what the cops sold him and, well, the dog was fine. 
The dog probably got a mild case of the shits out of it. I mean, you know, it's pretty standard for hamburgers. So the dog is completely not dead. And Kuklinski figures whatever he's been sold is probably not going to be useful in murdering anybody. So he pisses off home instead, but gets stopped and arrested at a roadblock. Between the five murders and other crimes, various plea bargains and other legal finaglings, he managed to weasel out of the death penalty. He would, however, be convicted and remain ineligible for parole until the age of 111 years. He doesn't make it to 111 years. He gets old and his ticker starts to get a little wonky. In preparation for the eventuality of heart failure, he decided he wanted to be brought back to life, if at all possible. His wife, however, signed a do-not-resuscitate order, well, in spite of his desire to be resuscitated. And a week before he dies, the hospital calls to ask her if she would like to reconsider changing her mind on the DNR, but she said, nope, don't care, no, don't bring him back, he's useless. So, he was fucked, and that was the way she wanted it. Yep, I hear you, stick it to the cunt. Since Kuklinski suddenly took sick and died four months later, some of his family members believe he might have been poisoned. Oh well, whatever. I like to think he was. He had a better run than he deserved. He spent 18 years in jail before kicking the bucket. If someone did do it, kudos to them. Fuck that guy. Now, Kuklinski is a mean person who killed five people. Essentially for a couple hundred thousand dollars profit. So he really has no scruples or morals. He's cold-hearted and vicious... And he's nicknamed the Iceman for fuck's sakes. He puts people in freezers. But what makes this guy really interesting is that he claims to have killed, get this, not just five people, but upwards of 200 people. He did a bunch of interviews and TV specials where he goes on to explain that he committed his first murder at 14 in which he killed a bully and he got away with it and it made him feel invincible. He says he used to practice murdering homeless people for fun and loved to come up with various creative ways to kill his victims. He claims to have used crossbows, grenades, toy cars, plenty of cyanide and, well, boring old guns. He claims to have been a killer for hire with the Mafia and to have been involved in some pretty high-profile murders. He claims to have pulled off murders for all five mob families in New York and the DeCalvacante family in New Jersey. He says he carried out dozens of murders for the Gambino family. You get the idea. Now, I don't know anything about these mob people. It's a bunch of well-dressed Italians who like pasta and drugs and money and killing people. Bottom line is, 
This doofus took credit for every dead mobster he could think of. At one point, he was even trying to take credit for being responsible for the death of Jimmy Hoffa. Now, he's a really famous missing and presumed dead person. Now, I have no idea about Jimmy himself. I have no idea why he's significant. But I've heard the name a million times. And I know that the Mafia probably wanted him dead. So Kuklinski here says he stabbed him, put him in a barrel, lit him on fire and buried him. And then, afterwards, he didn't like where he put the barrel. So he pulled up the barrel, put it in the trunk of a car, squatted in a compactor, and sold it to Japan to make new Toyotas out of. This guy has all the time in the world to sit around and make up stories while he's in jail. I'm pretty sure he sat around reading old copies of the New York Times and just weaved his whole life around whatever he read that day. Most people figure he may or might be responsible for around 10 murders. But the number is probably exactly five. Here's what some people had to say about his bullshit. Former FBI agent Bob Garrett called Kuklinski's involvement in the Hoffa disappearance, quote, a hoax. And when he was asked if Kuklinski was a suspect, Garrett said, quote, never heard of him. Anthony Bruno was a biographer, and when investigating the Hoffa thing, he said that Kuklinski's, quote, story didn't check out. He figured Kuklinski was just adding some spice to his story, a whole shit ton of it, in order to build his legend. Former mobster Michael Franzese, who is now a motivational speaker, by the way, said that, quote, I spent 25 years in that life, on the street. I never heard his name mentioned once. Not once. See, he said he never heard it once. And then he reiterated with, not once again. So this guy's not fucking around. Michael seems like a knowledgeable guy. And if Iceman was as prolific as he said he was, I think this guy would know about him. And if you would like to be motivated by Michael yourself, he has a YouTube channel with over a million subscribers where he talks about his past life and how he found God. And while you're there, subscribe to the Evil Done Badly channel as well where we just upload all the same shit that we're talking about here. But we've got nine subscribers at the moment. Be forewarned, though, you'll probably will not find God anywhere on our channel. Back to the story. Basically, outside of the five murders he was originally charged with, no one believes any of the horseshit that's come out of his mouth ever since. He appears to have weaved an elaborate, fantastical tale in order to make himself seem cool. Sounds like a lot of work, but I guess he had plenty of time to develop the charade while he was rotting in the pen. It's probably a fun hobby when your options are incredibly limited. I mean, there's only so many conjugal visits you can have, especially when your wife hates you and wishes you'd just die already. Kuklinski had no friends in prison. And according to his biographer, a one John List tried to saunter up to him and make his acquaintance. John 
you may remember, is one of the other cunts we've covered here on the show. And he killed his family to save them from the devil and ran away to start a new life somewhere else. Kuklinski resisted John List's charm and told him to go fuck himself. See, Kuklinski drew the line at people who would hurt their own family. It was beneath him, despite the fact he regularly beat his own wife and threatened to run her over with his car. So what you have there is a recipe for a wife who doesn't want you to be resuscitated when your heart gives out. Again, good for her. So Richard Kuklinski is a murderer's cunt, and he's famous enough to have a number of books written and plenty of TV specials made about him. But most of the story is a pile of shit. He's just a useless sack of crap who killed a few people, made a few bucks, and blew it way out of proportion once he got caught. He loved the notoriety and wanted to build a legacy. Well, fuck that. He's a stupid bastard. He didn't deserve to live 18 years in prison. And he should have been poisoned years ago. Ugh, what a waste of jizz and gruel this guy was. And there you have it. Another terrible episode of the worst true crime podcast ever, Evil Done Badly, is in the books. If you would like to reach out and suggest future episode topics, we can be reached on Twitter or Instagram at Evil Done Badly, or by email at EvilDoneBadly at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the show, you can check out the Evil Done Badly True Crime Compendium Volume 1 book over on Amazon. You can read it for free on Kindle Unlimited, or you can purchase it as an ebook or a paperback, or you can just continue to listen to this terrible podcast every week, and that would be great too. We appreciate having you here. Thanks for listening. My name is Dick, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>